What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And I love talking to people who are driven to create and make the world a better place with their work. Welcome to a special six-part series of Art Pays Me called Craft Pays Me, where I'll be talking to six craftspeople who represent a cross-section of mediums and stages in their careers. I want to give a special thank you to Julie Roswell and Craft Nova Scotia for making this possible. We'll hear from Julie at the beginning of each episode in the series. And I also want to give a thank you to Arts Nova Scotia for their additional support in this project. Let's get into it. So, today we have our second edition of Craft Pays Me. And I'll leave it to Julie to introduce uh, our most recent uh, addition to the series. Excellent. Thanks, Duane. Um, so yeah, I'm excited that this is the second one. Uh, Tony's was amazing uh, that launched on January 24th. It was such a pleasure to get to know her even more. Um, I know I got a lot of messages saying that from people who knew her who said, I learned so many things about her that I had no idea about. Um, and uh, she's so passionate and so well-spoken uh, about uh, her ceramics uh, career that I think it was a great start to this Craft Pays Me series. Um, so just a very brief synopsis, Craft Nova Scotia is a charitable nonprofit here in Nova Scotia. We've been at it for 40 years. Um, we uh, have about 300 direct members, uh, working craftspeople in the province, and then we also take in about a thousand uh, craftspeople through guild memberships. So things like uh, the the Lamp Workers Guild, uh, the uh, Spinners and Weavers, Basketry, uh, Coadorn, which is a a jewelry uh, a collective. Um, so we're we're working on behalf of those people in a number of ways. Um, whether it be through professional development, um, we run the Center for Craft, which has workshops uh, and studios, uh, the Mary E. Black Gallery. Um, we have an online shop that we just launched in December, the Designer Craft Shop. Uh, we do retail shows um, and uh, Fest, which is our fundraiser every year. And that's sort of where we meet up with Lori Nason, who's our next <laughs> Craft Pays Me um, subject, we'll say. Um, so Lori is, uh, works with Glass and I've known her for, geez, I'm not sure how long I've known you, Lori, but uh, it's certainly been more, more than 10 years, maybe more than 15 years. Um, and I know Lori because she is an incredible supporter of Craft Nova Scotia. She has been donating to our annual fundraiser for as long as I can remember. I remember picking up donations at Cranberry Stained Glass, uh, which is sort of the, the studio and retail supply side of Lori's career. Um, and then also, you know, her more recent fused glass through uh, uh, Fused Glass Diva. Um, she also volunteers at all of our events. 
every Christmas show, every summer show, if you go to the information booth at any of those events, which we unfortunately couldn't have last year uh, due, to, uh, due to the pandemic, um, but Lori and, and your mom, and I think your daughter too, um, have been volunteering for, for years and years. Uh, so this is the type of commitment with, that we get from craftspeople in the province. Uh, you know, we're working with people every day and it's it's definitely a give and take. Uh, we're helping them figure out their businesses and how to interact uh, with the public. Um, Lori's really great at interaction because when we first got on social media, you know, eight or 10 years ago, Lori was always the first person to retweet something when I didn't even know what tweet tweeting was and I was being forced to do it against my will um, which people will find hilarious that since my social media presence is rather extensive at this point but at the beginning I'm like what the hell is tweeting I'm embarrassed to even say this out loud um, but Lori was always very uh, supportive of all those things uh, so I think it will be really wonderful to get to talk to Lori about the different ways that she the ways that craft pays her, um, whether it be restoration work for glass or commissions, uh, supplies, classes. Um, so we look forward to hearing that conversation and we encourage everybody to follow Craft Nova Scotia. Um, and on social media, we are literally just at Craft Nova Scotia, all one word. And we also have the Center for Craft and that is just at Center for Craft. Um, and we do wanna make sure before I sign off uh, that we uh, acknowledge the support of Arts Nova Scotia who are uh, funding uh, this particular project. And uh, we can't wait to hear the next conversation. Thanks, Julie. All right, I'm off. All right, talk to you later. Okay, Lori, so thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So um, you are, and you you are you're a veteran you've been you've been at this for a while i have been i've been doing involved in glass for probably close to 30 years or more what? like wow so is there a point this is something that i i guess i wonder about sometimes do you feel like a master at this point you know when i think of the world of masters i think i have a long way to go Mm -hmm. um, I am probably more of a jack of all trade, master of none. Um, mm. Not afraid to tackle anything. Always learning new processes, new new techniques. Um, you've got to experiment to learn. Uh, I, I guess I've never considered myself a master, but I certainly consider myself uh, experienced and uh, quite qualified for. A lot of stuff that I do. In Got you. So, like you know, sometimes like for me, there are times like I just feel like will that that confidence ever come? Like you, you feel like you 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 know what you're doing at least. I know what I'm doing, uh, but I, I, unfortunately, I think a lot of masters don't get dub master till they're long gone. So uh, <laughs> let's just work on. <laughs> on the current status of my life and uh, be happy with it. <laughs> got you, got you. So uh, where are you based currently? Um, currently, 
my studio, my big studio, Cranberry Stained Glass, is in Halifax in Bears Lake in Nova oh. Scotia. And uh, my Fuse Glass Diva is uh, upstairs in my home. I have a room set up as a painting studio. Um, and I bring things back and forth to my kilns that are at Cranberry that uh, I've had for many, many years. Um, and I fire everything there and bring them back and forth. Just, I've long since used up my electrical uh, outlets uh, that I had set up originally here 20 years ago and uh, moved them to Cranberry when I opened Cranberry in 2005. Ah, so if I'm, correct me if I'm understanding, not understanding this correctly the right way. Uh, so Cranberry is your production space and then Fused Glass Diva is your retail space? No. Uh, Cranberry Stained Glass is a full-service stained glass studio. So uh, we do everything. We teach. We sell supplies. Uh, we do custom interior design for homes and churches. We do uh, restoration of, you know, anything from a, a, a window in a, a residence up to any place of worship or, or, or government building that requires uh, stained glass restoration. Um, Fuse Glass Diva has, was born out of that. I've been a fuser since the 90s. And um, I really uh, am fascinated with the whole process of fusing. Um, and that's part of Cranberry. We teach fusing classes through it, um, as well as sell supplies. But I've kind of gotten to the point where it's uh, stained glass is a very dirty process, especially when you're in the restoration work. So for painting, you really don't want to get black dust in things and, and make a mess. So you kind of have to have a little separated, especially for the type of painting I do. Uh, so I, I do my painting side of it home. And, and what's different about the art that I do at home is that it really is my own, um, my own creative process, my own creative time. Uh, where I do, I do a little bit of custom work for some people, but most of it is what's in my brain that I want to, what I want to try. Um, whereas the Cranberry Stained Glass Studio is I'm always designing to satisfy a customer or gotcha. I'm always restoring something which is in its own right really cool, but it's not any real creative uh, outlet for me. So I think Fuse Glass Eve is my own personal creative outlet, whereas Cranberry Stained Glass is, is business and a little bit of creativity, but I'm always working for somebody there, whereas Fuse Glass Eve, I'm working for myself. Right, right. Got you. So that, that makes sense. Like it's, it's nice to have that separation. And I find that uh, I'm wondering if this is the same for you, is that having that outlet with the Fuse Glass Diva almost fires you up more to, to do the client work. Oh, for sure. And it, 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 it allows me to think a little bit differently and maybe I can combine some, uh, you know, I do combine some of my painting in my uh, custom work. If I mm -hmm. need to, for example, create a, uh, a new piece of glass altogether or, or work with something to give it texture or more detail or something that's more detailed than stained glass with lead lines and solder lines will permit. Um, so I can combine both worlds and it just opens more opportunities for me to do that. Right, right, cool. So what is up with the Diva moniker? How, how did you come to that? 
Uh, I think uh, Diva has a little bit of an attitude yeah. uh, about her. And um, I actually have a cat named Lucy, who I call uh, the Diva. Um, mm. She is all black and has one of these big plumy feather, feathery tails. And, kind of uh, fancy. Uh, but she's, she's, she's trash. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we call her the diva and uh, I just thought it was kind of fun to go fuse glass diva trying to come up with something, you know, a little bit different. Got you. Got you. And are you from Nova Scotia originally? Not originally. I was I was born in Newfoundland in Canada, oh. uh, but my my mom and dad were the quintessential uh, Mountie and nurse combo. Um, so we traveled and, and moved all over the country as a kid, um, settling uh, when my dad retired the first time in New Brunswick uh, as a teenager, and mm-hmm. I met my husband in New Brunswick. Um, and we've, my husband and I have been all over the place ever since. Uh, we've lived in the States quite for many years. Hmm. Uh, and I came back to Nova Scotia uh, to my parents' great surprise uh, 20 years ago. And uh, I was doing glass then, of course. And uh, I got into this much bigger um, than I had originally anticipated. I always just kind of did it as a hobby. Um, at home, um, it was, and I wasn't able to work in the states, so I, I did actually have a great opportunity to volunteer my time uh, because we were. Uh, I didn't have a work permit. We were down on my husband's uh, work permit, right, in the states. So um, I did get to work for some pretty cool studios in the Chicagoland area. Nice. Uh, Basically, volunteering my time, doing a lot of their crappy jobs, but basically uh, being able to uh, apprentice a little bit uh, there. So when I came to Nova Scotia, I was getting uh, uh, doing some stained glass in my home uh, for my home and, you know, for some of the friends and neighbors and a couple of commissions here and there. And and I just wasn't getting what I wanted here. Mm. I wasn't getting um, any of the feedback from my my source of of, of tools and, and and supplies, and I wasn't getting a lot of not a lot of love that way. And basically, my husband said, uh, "Go big or stay home." And <laughs> I opened Cranberry and um, really got into the stained glass. Mostly at first was retailing of supplies um, and uh, kilns and, and fusing supplies as well and, and bead making. Uh, Julie had mentioned the lamp workers uh, group, uh, which I was uh, very much a part of when I first uh, started that whole uh, business of Cranberry. It was part of our business. Um, and we've it just evolved over the years into more of a custom studio, which was the original plan, but um, I'm pretty happy with how it started started out and um, and still there. <laughs> Got you. So what is it about glass? Like you, you're a painter and you're also like, um, 
like you said, you're not afraid to chase that curiosity and try new things, but what draws you to glass consistently? Uh, it's, it's the light, it's the color, it's the, the, the texture. Um, uh, of all the years I've been doing glass, I've never once came across anybody who said, I hate stained glass. Mm. <laughs> you know, most people say, oh, I love stained glass, but they're usually talking about, you know, when they're in church, looking at the windows and yeah. daydreaming instead of listening. Um, guilty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I used to stare at the stained glass the whole time in church as a kid, too. Like, just like, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, so it started from there, and I guess it was just kind of a, a really neat creative outlet to to go into. Uh, mm. Not many friends of mine were doing it at the time, so it was it was all brand new. Um, you know, I, I was exposed to stained glass, of course, as a young kid going to church, uh, particularly with my grandmother. She was fascinated by it, and... Uh, she would explain a few things to me, but she she never did stained glass herself, and hmm. she didn't know a lot of the finer details on it. But uh, I'll tell you, she could pick apart a window pretty quick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> when wow. she, she could see the reinforcement and say, oh, that one needs work. And <laughs> so I guess it started as well as a, as a kid, <laughs> really. Yeah. So you like, yeah, you, you just consider yourself an artist from like day one. I, well, yeah, I wasn't always an artist. I, I had worked in a, um, the healthcare industry as a um, home healthcare equipment provider for a few years and in retail for probably many before that and stayed home with my kids for a few years. So, you know, I, I've been able to focus as my kids got old enough to be independent and uh, I've really been able to focus on on my art right okay so um sort of like uh Tony's uh, I'm not that familiar with with the glass process so when you talk about fused glass and I, I have no idea what that means is that the same as stained glass like how does it all work um, well, a fused glass is actually um, the melting of glass uh, and fusing it together uh, is basically what it is. It's it's not a hot glass, and that would be something like glass blowing, where you would be dealing with molten glass and okay. a glowing hole and 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 blowing glass. Mm -hmm. um, that would be a hot glass. This is more. Fusing is more considered to be a warm glass. It's still pretty hot. It goes up to about 2,200 degrees the most um, Fahrenheit. And um, it's manipulation of the glass with different temperatures. There's ranges between uh, 1,100 and 1,600 degrees that you get all kinds of at different mm -hmm. levels and depending on what your medium is, which glass you're using. Um, and it's that manipulation that's really cool because it, it brings it up to adding layers of color. It, it allows you to make a three-dimensional product that can be standalone. Mm -hmm. um, whereas stained glass really isn't that. It's, you know, kind of a flat one, I don't know if it would be a one-dimensional or two-dimensional, but mm -hmm. You know, it's it's kind of a stagnant um, a piece of work in that physically, but not 
you know, light moves through it. And yeah, and yeah. It's, it's always an art in motion, but but it's physically there. And it's once a window, it's usually always a window mm-hmm. where, you know, I can have um, uh, plates that can sit in a window and refract light around, or I could have, you know, something that can be on a wall as an art piece and a very functional piece. So I can take it off the wall and use it for serving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do. <laughs> um, right. So I just love the the functionality of fused glass um, and the combining of colors and and that you don't need any kind of metal or anything else to to hold it together. It all it's one one piece. It it's it's uh, it's solid. <laughs> yeah. So that that functional aspect of it is interesting. So I saw you did um, these tartan uh, yeah. plates as well. So. Yes. Uh, just this idea that you can take some of these, those cultural representation that you see from this area and present it into not only an art piece, but something oh, yeah. that you can actually use. It, that's, that's interesting to me. Uh, like what, I guess like, what, like, how does that make you feel? Or does that, does that differentiate for you? Like if you, when you're creating it, do you say, okay, I want to have this thing specifically for the wall. I want to have this thing for the, to, to be practical, to be served. Um, do you differentiate at all and say, you know what, for this one, I'm never going to use it. I just want this one to be specifically an art piece. Does that ever happen? Oh, for sure. I've, um, um, I've I've done lots of things that just hang on a wall. Um, yeah. I I can take the 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 image that I make in my fused glass diva, for example, and yeah. and uh, uh, paint a you know a a cartoon ish or animated folky art cat picture, for example. Yeah. And instead of turning it into a plate or something, I can just mount it on a on a mm-hmm. a on a frame and um, I've done some really, um, I did a piece a few years ago for somebody and it was called, it was a uh, Ted Harrison, Ted Harris painting. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of the Northern lights and Northern scenes and and it was really cool to do it in, in the, um, uh, the fused glass. Mm-hmm. The, I do a variety of different things with the fused glass. The first, you know, basically, you, you take two pieces of glass, you put them in the kiln, you you get a you put them up to fourteen sixty five degrees yeah. Fahrenheit for a full fuse, and then you take it out after it's cooled, of course. Right. <laughs> then, then you do the next process to it. You would either you might manipulate, you might slump it, you might shape it into um, into a mold, um, uh. and that's what will give it its shape. Now, so that's just something that you can do with two pieces of glass. Now, what I do is I take those same two pieces of glass, but before I put them together to fuse them together, I take the top piece, which generally is a colorless piece of glass, and I do something called reverse painting on it, which is an old take of uh, the ancient Chinese uh, uh, method of reverse painting in glass, which was done with oil paint and, and that sort of thing. And they would do their foreground first 
and then mm. they would do their next colors, their 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 sub subground, and then they do their background last. And that's essentially what I do with glass. I I paint with powdered glass enamels, mm-hmm. and I do an outline, and then I fire it in the kiln. Um, and then I add color and I do something called, well, before I add the color, I do something called graffito, which is basically matting off the whole thing and picking yeah. off the highlights. Right. So then I can fire it in the kiln. Next, I'll add my colors. I can do my painting and my background and everything in one shot. And I fire that. So right. we're at three firings already. The fourth firing would be to put the two pieces of glass together, sandwich them like I originally did on the the first piece of fused glass I I would do was two pieces just fused together. Yeah. So I fuse these two pieces together and get something that's weighty enough to to be not fragile. And then I slump it. So we're talking between five and seven firings for every plate or platter. Sometimes if I'm going to do something that's not, going to be made into a functional piece like a plate or platter I would not have to do the following uh, the last two firings for example yeah. so, you know sometimes I can get away without the slump and without the uh, uh, without actually having to put a second piece behind it but most cases it's between five and seven firings for each so it's 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 a real um what I do is I really take it from um, your basic fusing mm-hmm. and I, it, there's just so much more involved in it than, than meets the eye. People think, Oh, I can slap two pieces to go, of glass together. Anybody can uh, and put it in a kiln and get something out of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it's not that simple for what right. I do. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're adding your <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, so <laughs> I was thinking as you were saying that is uh, if you're doing a commission, specifically one that might have words in it, are yes. you, almost, you have to paint backwards. Yes. <laughs> have you ever had- <laughs> There's been more than once when I've made bad spelling mistakes because I just goes- <laughs> or I, I paint it and I got a backwards S. That's yeah. the word. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was thinking that because uh, just it's sometimes I'll be doing a print of some kind and I have yeah. to think backwards. It's like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah. The mirror image. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a challenge some days, as you know. Yeah. So like, do you, I mean, I'm guessing now you're, you, you've set up different things in place to help you not make that mistake, but early on, would you say you threw out a lot of glass because you just like got it done and realized, oh man, it's backwards. No, I probably make more mistakes now because I think I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting cocky at it, I think. But um, yeah, I think I was probably a little more careful before, but gotcha. uh, now I check everything twice. Right, right. It's, it's awful to go through all the process. And then once it's fired, it's done. I mean, I, you, can't, you can't fix it. Yeah, yeah. So like you, you're almost like, I mean, at least it's not on skin, but kind of it's like a tattoo artist in a way. Like there's not really a mistake. It's well, like, but I get the opportunity. I can actually flip it over and look at it. It won't be the right colors, but I can actually make sure that I can, you know, flip it and uh, I'll be able to see the image. Got you. 
Got you. So I'm lucky there, but it's nothing worse than having to wash off hours of painting. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, how did uh, how did you manage during the pandemic, and how have well, I mean it's not over yet. How are you managing? Um, you know things are slower. Um, I've got enough work to keep me busy, um, and but yet I don't have enough work to keep get me to justify having another person in there with me mm -hmm. uh, all the time. So I do have someone that helps me out with uh, my instruction. Mm -hmm. um, thank goodness, because, uh, you know, that would be Saturdays and evenings. And uh, I do do my own, some teaching as well. The, mm -hmm. I don't I don't get away with it all, but uh, but she helps me out quite a bit. And I've got some people that I can pull on when I really need them. Uh, but the, pan the, the pandemic has been interesting. Um, I've been able to stay open the whole time because I really only get one or two people in the studio at a time. Right. It's, it's not like it's a business that people come rushing the doors down, you know, but I, but I have the sign on the door that says, you know, wear a mask. And, you know, if there's someone in here, we have the, the big advantage of saying, well, just wait in the car till they leave because you can park right in front of the business. Right. It's it's not been an issue for me. Um, I think it has been an issue for a lot of people. Um, mm. Retail sales are in the in the toilet, yeah. uh, and uh, supply is also quite in the toilet too because a lot of the glass is made in the U.S. and Mexico, and they've been slammed. And there's a lot of shortages because they haven't had people to work. Yeah to produce so like anything else so we're holding our own um got a lot more gray hair than i had when i started but uh with this uh, pandemic started but you know it's i'm i'm i've got stockpiles of glass uh, restoration projects that have to go back to being installed and mm -hmm. now it's the winter and i can't really install exterior church windows in the winter and then I couldn't go to New Brunswick and now I still can't go to New Brunswick. So, right. you know, I'm, I'm sitting on, um, I'm sitting on a few projects that are taking up a lot of space and, um, and uh, holding up some money. But uh, other than that, it's, it's holding my own. <laughs> yeah. Now so I've been I, able, I do a lot of, on social media, as Julie mentioned, and yeah. um, I, you know, years ago, probably, I, I think I started Facebook like in 2006, just because I had to. And it started out as a real uh, drudge thing that I had to do every day. You know, I took a course on Facebook and, you know, it says post every day, post every day and, and you know, twice a day sometimes, but not two hours apart. You got to go. So, um yeah started with that and then I got into Twitter and um, then I got and not that long ago I, I really got into Instagram um, still have an issue I I hate typing on my phone <laughs> <laughs> so Instagram is not my favorite place to be but I'm getting through that too you know, I've been selling online. Uh, I tried a few different things. I have my own website for Fuse Glass Diva where I actually sell product. I work with um, Nova Scotia Makers. They have a um, a artisan 
uh, shop mm-hmm. uh, where it doesn't cost anything to um, to get involved in it, but you pay a commission for your sales. Gotcha. And then there's uh, Craft New Brunswick has a page similar to that. Now they may change that uh, because they just started uh, prior to Christmas. And uh, they may go to a different model than than taking, they're taking um, a little less commission and, and probably not enough. So they, they probably will be changing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that Craft, uh, I think Craft Nova Scotia has just started an online uh, shop too. And I, okay. I, I have to say, I haven't checked it out yet, but uh, Julie did mention it in Tony's, uh, uh, in her preamble to Tony's. Uh, so I have to look into that. Yep. So I, I, I'm trying to, you know, generate a lot of interest on Instagram and, and, and trying to make online sites, you know, feel which ones I want to do. The other thing that I've really been finding, um, you know, since there's been no craft shows this year, which was the big thing that I've been planning, uh, you know, before last March, we all sent out our money to get registered and and juried and and uh, you know um, accepted into some of these shows, and they all refunded us. So no complaints there. It's just been a shame that it hasn't happened. But I've I did a thing this summer, which uh, was called Hags on the Hill down in Peggy's Cove. Yes, saw that. It's a co-op, uh, sort of loosely knit type co-op it's it's a loosely structured I guess that would be the better word and there was 14 artists and and you know as a part of the co-op thing you you have to work a day or two depending on what commission rate you want to do I did okay you know they, apparently they were down to probably a little less than 20 percent of their regular sales but yeah. oh my goodness it was a ton of fun to go down there one day a week beautiful place to go um, I swear there's never, they don't get rain in Peggy's Cove, I don't think, because really? every day I worked there, there was beautiful. Um, I think yeah. I else got the rain any other day, but it was lovely. Um, and it was kind of fun to um, to sell to our uh, maritime bubble. Yeah. We had shopping there and um, it was it was quite an enjoyable process. And I really think that uh, it really helped my Christmas sales this year because people were were looking for different things. And um, so they all kind of scratch each other's back as far as trying to um, uh, to sell your art. I think you've got to put your stuff out there and as many social media things as you, you can. Yeah. Um, I, and I think you've got to participate in them. You can't just put your stuff up yeah. and sell, 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 sell. You got to look at at the other people's stuff and you got to say, Oh, that's lovely. Or, Oh, you should try this or, or share it with a friend that you think might be interested. you not, don't always try to sell your own product. Yeah. Um, I think it's really imperative for us artists to, to stick together in a lot of, you know, no matter all across the media um, fields. Um, uh, I don't know. We, no, you're right. It's so weird, but like the the things that go well for me often are things where I'm doing to help someone else. Like, and you know, it just you just never know. Building relationships is such an important part of a creative career that yeah. we underestimate. I think. Well, it's all about networking. 
even in small business of any kind, right? And, and I'm lucky in that way that I I have a small business, and yeah. you know I uh, you know I actually have to work at it, and yeah. uh, I have to pay things, and I've got to. I'm not just you know putting my borrowing myself in my home studio, and and if I make a sale, I make a sale. No, I have to make yeah. sales, and I think it really makes you think outside the box of how are we going to do this mm-hmm. and you got to throw stuff on the wall and if it sticks stick with it but you 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 can't do it alone and you need we don't have the networks we don't have the shows where we go out and meet other artists doing similar things and we don't get to talk about oh the show in in Andy Ganesh was really good last year or, yeah and, or you should have your stuff there. They don't have someone that does your thing. We don't get that kind of conversation right now. And I think if we're we're getting into our groups and social media and stuff like that, I really think that there needs to be a lot more sharing of information and leads and connections. And, you know, it all pays back eventually, but it, mm-hmm. it what goes around comes around. And if you don't put yeah. something out there, it's not coming back to you. So Absolutely. you have to invest the time to sell your product and itself. Yeah. It's not just your product. You got to put yourself out there. Yeah. So what would you say is like your ratio in terms of creation time and doing this other business that made marketing sort of stuff? You mean online marketing and all the, the- all of it. Yeah, like what's the percentage of time you spend? You know, I probably spend maybe an hour a day total. Um, And I am not, I mean, I do it and I probably waste more time than I should on it because I think that there are, are ways to coordinate everything and, and, and maybe buy some kind of system that that coordinates all your posts and 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 you can pre schedule things and but that it can't you're an artist you can't be canned either right you have to be <laughs> able to to um to to go with the flow and and as things ideas hit you or or you think it might inspire someone else you just gotta get online and post it you can't just sit back and, and count on, I don't know, HubSpot or whatever it was years ago that I tried to do where everything's kind of coordinated. You see it all on one page. I, I'm just not that tech savvy, I guess. I'd rather be creating, you know, other things than, than trying yeah. to figure out a new system for things. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same. I tried, I think Hootsuite's what I tried. Yeah, and, that's uh, the one I was. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it just, it just so it didn't work for me. Is. No, no, I just found it too challenging to keep track and and found that you got hung up on the pre-scheduling stuff. And, and, you know, I may not feel like that on Wednesday. (laughs) If it doesn't work for me on, now don't pay any attention to today's posts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So you, I saw you have your web store. Did you set that up during the pandemic when you like saw things happening or it was before? I set up my Fuse Glass Diva before. It's been going for a couple of years. But it really made me try to keep on top of it. The Mm. biggest problem that I have with having my own website 
shop and having a product on sale on about three different sites online and having my stuff on sale in the summer to Hags on the Hill and having the odd piece at Cranberry Stained Glass, just kind of on speculation, um, is keeping track of it all. Inventory. Inventory. <laughs> I mean, for example, I don't have a ton of of um, Nova Scotia tartan plates. And one, they're very expensive to make. And two, if they're going to be sitting in my inventory till December, that's that's a long time to oh. be having something expensive sit there. So I don't I can't afford to have a dozen of them made ahead of time. Yeah. So I try to keep an inventory level of them. But if I've got one or two and one sells on Amazon and one sells down the hags, I'm out of stock. And then chances are someone might want one from Craft Nova Scotia's site or something. So mm -hmm. I, I don't haven't quite figured out how I can get it all on, on. I don't think there's any way of, of hurting those cats. I think it's, it's, there's no way to, um, um, to keep track of it really soundly without just focusing on that hundred percent. And I, and I, I, I'm not going to do that. I just take my chances sometimes. Yeah. I've run into that same situation. You don't expect, like you have it in these multiple places, but then if it happens to sell at the same time, it's like, yeah. So someone's going to be disappointed and it's like, uh, or I, you know, like they're going to have to wait longer because you got to make it and got to produce it. Like it's yeah. yeah. Uh, inventory is not fun. No. Uh, so, um, how do you establish pricing? Is it based on labor and material sort of thing? I, I think pretty much. I mean, I try to, it's really hard to, to really cost out something in the stained glass industry. Um, mm -hmm. At Cranberry, I, you know, when I have to make a stained glass piece, if it's just stained glass, it's basically the number of pieces in the square footage and the square footage covers the material costs and the number of pieces covers the labor costs and put those two together and that's what you get. Mm -hmm. um, if you want something less expensive, can we do it in fewer pieces? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, is the size important? It's going to, uh, the number of pieces is what's gonna bite you in the bum uh, because mm -hmm. that's the labor side of it. Whereas the, the, fuse, the fuse glass diva stuff is, it's just, it's it's harder to price because some pieces might have you know th four colors in it some might have 40 colors in it mm. and I, you know i'm mixing all those colors and i'm coordinating them and i'm really thinking hard about them so sometimes they you know the more involved the design that of course the more expense but mm -hmm. i've kind of for the platters and plates and and that type of thing i've kind of taken it into a formula where there's a, how many firings and how many square inches is it and put those together and kind of averaging it out and, and, and going online and looking at other people's pricing and work to see what they're charging and, and the people that I think do a good job and, and who are comparable to me. And then I kind of 
kind of go from there where I want to go. I think I've been doing it long enough that I deserve to get paid better than sure. than people selling, you know, crocheted granny squares at the, the at, at at a craft show. So I guess there's a premium. I mean, glass is expensive. I mean, it's surprisingly expensive, and everything I got from paints and all that have to be imported as well. So yeah. it's, it's, it's not a, a cheap, cheap endeavor. So you got to price it. And if you don't yeah. price it, you're screwing yourself, you're screwing your suppliers, you know, um, in the, in the stained glass business, I tell people if they're, they're selling stuff, they better be putting a good price on it because if they're not getting their material and their labor out of it, then next month when they want to come shop, they don't have money to buy glass from me. And if they don't have money to have gla buy glass from me, then someone's going to be going out of business. And it's a sad, mean circle. And wow. you really have to price it. And customers have got to understand that, you know, handmade, homemade, craft and craft artisan made locally made is not cheap no yeah. matter if it is granny squares or not i mean they got to be well made you know and if you can't afford you if you don't feel like you can charge the prices you deserve then you're in the wrong business you need to mm -hmm. be able and be firm with your prices don't don't wuss on your pricing yeah. if you know compare decide sure the market's going to dictate a little bit but you know people might want to buy things cheaper here but mm. materials are more expensive here so mm. something's got to give yeah. i think everybody starting out or trying to sell their wares has got to really think about their pricing good and hard and not undersell themselves mm -hmm. that's a trap that sometimes I, I definitely fell in in it as a graphic designer early on that you're like well i'm starting out i can charge this low yeah. amount but then eventually like and in well, a very hand though right you can starting get away with, with it well you're not just getting away with it but you know you haven't cut your teeth much and yes. you, you don't deserve to get top dollar if you haven't mm -hmm. put the years in so you've yes. got to consider that too true but you still got to get your time and your materials out of it yeah even if you are at, at the very least yes yeah. and and like in in terms of a product-based business like you you're basically giving money away when you don't do that yeah yeah i mean it's it's bad enough when something doesn't quite turn out the way you yeah. want it to and you know as an artist that yeah. we're our own worst critics yes and you know i could look at something and you know, if there's, don't sell the seconds right now. Don't uh -huh. put them on sale in at the market and have a clearance table. It's not doing you any good. You know, once a year, have a clearance sale, period. Limited time, limited product on sale. Mm -hmm. And that helps a lot of people that may not be able to afford your product, but mm -hmm. really like it and would like somewhere to start, for example. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. We encourage people to collect local art mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So, you know. So what, what th one thing you, you mentioned in terms of like the, the handmade and craft side of it, do you find that sometimes that becomes a bad word to some people in that they automatically assume 
oh, you know, it's a craft, it's a handmade thing, so I can get less money versus if you worded it differently or do I think yeah, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the word should be handmade, not homemade. <laughs> okay, I like that okay. distinction. Um, I think that, uh, just going on to Instagram and Twitter and places like that, you can see when you put in your hashtag, you know, how many people use the word handmade, mm -hmm. uh, and what a powerful word that can be. I don't think it's that intimidating, um, uh, mm -hmm. or that wrong a word. I think homemade, you know, makes me think of of cookies and and granny squares. It's not anything high level artistic, unless of course you are a a artisan baker. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it 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 reeks um, church bizarre to me. I, I don't mm -hmm. know why. Uh, handmade is a little different context, and I think it really depends too on on where you are with it. There are better words. I think that, um, you know, handmade, hand forged might be better. Uh, uh, if it was if it's a metal. Um, yeah. You know, I can't really say any of mine is handmade. I can say it's hand painted. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I could say, I guess it's handmade or hand finished. Um, I I. I Handmade is is a good word for a lot of product, but I don't think it's the best one mm -hmm. to use. I don't. I definitely would put it higher than homemade. Right, right, right. No, I so I I think you know, even if it's not necessarily by hand, you're involved in the production process. You're you're intimately involved in it, directly involved in yeah. it, and you know, like say the Louis Vuittons of the world, they yeah. use that as a way to justify super premium pricing. Right. And I, it is kind of weird when we don't look at, at it the same way when we it's, visit a local artisan. Right. And I think there's a big gap there. Uh, yeah. I think that that handmade doesn't have the context that it should have, like in mm -hmm. the case of like Louis Vuitton or any, uh, any of those. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's, you can handcraft things. You can. There's there's good good words out there that can in the right markets, and the right and and the right right way of branding it. I think can really uh, make a difference with some words. Right, right. So are you are you completely self taught other than like that apprenticeship that you did? Um. You know, I've take I I've I've gone all over the place to take courses. Uh -huh. um, on certain things um there are uh, one of the biggest ones uh well it's been for 27 years i don't know what covid's doing to it the last two but there's a, a glass conference every year in las vegas um i usually go every two or three years it's uh, -huh. uh it has suppliers uh, it has a lot of the the artisans that um that uh, have web 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 what do you call those things webinars yes um and they actually teach classes in this massive 
uh, convention center gets broken up into hundreds of little classes and you can take everything from beginner stained glass to to glass blowing in in courses by instructors that you know are are well known in their field also there's um in new york there's the um stained glass association of america has a big uh, conference every year i don't know if anyone particularly for fusing but there's lots of places where you can take online courses for fusing. Um, Bullseye Glass, for example, has an education series that you buy a subscription to every year. Mm. Um, and you can go online and they have all these courses posted that you can get all kinds of wonderful creative ideas. Now, we don't tend to sell a lot of their glass down this part of the universe because we're so far away from, from um, I think they're in Oregon or is Washington State, I'm not sure. But we um, um, can certainly learn from their techniques and and uh, with a little tweaking, we can make it useful to what, uh, it, it's the whole concept that's inspiring. It's not just the, the, the product line that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you'll, I have not really been formally taught with the exception of doing some of those uh, things in the apprenticeship um, I really got to pick away at a few things I wouldn't otherwise get to touch just because Chicagoland is, is, is such a center for, for all kinds of different things. Um, I think that um, you, you have to keep looking at different courses and, and read up on, there's lots of blogs out there to, to learn, and I know enough about glass and how it reacts that I can agree or disagree with a lot of these things, and and I can get a lot of inspiration from them. And I think not being classically trained in a lot of this allows me to to uh, ignorant ignorance maybe bliss in that case um, mm-hmm. because maybe I have no fear to try it. Yeah, but you have to be brutally honest with the results if they work, if they don't work, why they didn't work. Um, and I think it comes understanding at that level really comes with years of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm sure I could still learn new tricks, but you know, it's, it's uh, having my own business in this industry for the last 15 years is I've seen almost everything come through the door and I know what I can and cannot do. So I don't even know if there's any like official stained glass schools with the exception of, of perhaps a guild in Germany or something like that where, where you would go and be, you know, put through their program, yeah. uh, which yeah. is pretty regimented. It's interesting. It's just like a, I, you mentioned those extreme heat and, and like I just, it freaks me out automatically thinking about that. And I'm like, how do you even get to a point to learn that and feel comfortable and that you're not going to burn your hand off or something like that? Well, you don't put your hands in it (laughs) normally. Um, And you would burn yourself uh, yet knock on wood to, uh, to burn myself at all. Um, You know, the kilns that we deal with are um, quite well insulated they can be put in your home there as long oh, as you okay. put it on a concrete floor and a, a foot away from a wall, you're good. I mean, it, it's comfortable to the, 
to the point where the cat can go underneath it and lay there the whole time. Oh, wow. It's a really cozy spot for any four-legged friend, you know. <laughs> okay. So I have a lot of customers who buy kilns that are absolutely terrified to turn it on the first time. And I have held hands with people <laughs> to do that. I've gone to their house and said, this is how you do it. You know, you're, you're set up fine. There's nothing that can really, you know, happen here. If there's a fire, it's contained inside the, inside the kiln. It's not something, as long as you have an electrician put in your wiring properly, mm. you shouldn't have a problem. Okay. So it's all self-contained. It's not like you're, you don't have like molten glass dripping all over the floor. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> that would be hot glass. No, no. And that's a whole different infrastructure. I would not recommend that at home. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's what I was wondering. I just picture like stuff blowing up and exploding all over the place. And it's like, well, they, no, I'm not saying you don't get things blowing up. I mean, oh, okay. yeah, they, they, they either, when you open the kiln, they're usually either cracked right through or they're pieces all over the kiln. Uh, oh. if things go bad, they can, but it's just inside the kiln. Uh, yeah. you know, the kilns are heavy enough that I don't think you could blow the lid off of them. They're pretty much contained. Cool. And everything within it is too. Cool. So if there's any advice you would give to someone looking for you know, either a business or a career in the glass, like what would you say? Um, you're never going to get rich at it. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it's a stained glass is a lot of uh, hard work. It's a dirty, demanding job. Um, there are health risks. Uh, we're dealing with lead and and uh, uh, dust. Um, you have to be aware of, of that and uh, get tested and be safe and not eat it. Um, Understand, you know, the dangers of it first, um, and then consider if you want to do it. And that's it's a huge commitment. There's a lot of expense to it, uh, a lot of upfront expenses that you have to to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you, you can follow follow your passion. Take small steps go bigger or stay home is, is, is got its trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it takes a long time to grow a business like that. And, and, you know, after about 10 years and you've been at it long enough that, you know, people can count on you to do things and, and your resource and, and um, it, it doesn't grow overnight and, and the demand mm-hmm. The demand, you know, do your marketing uh, tests and your your market studies before um, you get involved in any kind of business to to start with. Make mm. sure there's a market for your product. I don't know. Uh, I my biggest surprise, I think, was that I went into this business thinking, oh, I'm going to be doing all kinds of restoration because mm. I moved back to Nova Scotia and I walked around and I saw a lot of churches needing restoration work and I thought oh man they just need they need a lot of the stuff this beautiful glass restored well hell the churches don't have any money Uh. (laughs) so you know I knew there was a need but I didn't really check into 
you know, what's what's the financial temperature of, of these churches? And uh -huh. it never occurred to me that they didn't get this stuff done because they didn't have money. They didn't get this stuff done. You know, I just thought they just needed someone to do it. Yeah. And it, it, there's more to it than, than, um, than just thinking there's a need. You gotta, you gotta test what's going to answer that need right. and how that need is going to be paid for. I think that's part of the, um, the, the, the pre pre investigation into going into business, uh, something that I overlooked. Uh -huh. um, and and testing testing the the financial uh, condition of of the people that need it the most. Right. So outside of your like stained glass uh, or or other types of um, repair work, would you say that uh, tourists would be a good customer group? Um, the tourists, of course, are are a huge customer group for all artists in Nova Scotia and Atlantic Canada um, because I think we get tourists coming here and and they want to take a piece of Nova Scotia back with them and what's better than a piece of Nova Scotian art or I think that's that's the the best best memory of a, a wonderful trip yeah. is take back something from a local artist and and I've been doing this for 40 some years we've been collecting I've, I've got no wall space in the rest of my house it's, it's all got you know art on it mm -hmm. uh, I don't know um, if there's still uh, if there's people out there that do what I do I, I don't know um, I know that I every, anytime I go into Ikea or somewhere like that I, I see those posters going out mm -hmm. all the time and, and I feel really sad for these people to say you know, I look at them and I think you're in a place in your life where you should be buying real art, not 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 mass produced in somewhere offshore, mm -hmm. uh, and um, and and brought to your walls. Um, I think that tourists could be encouraged to buy more of our local art, um, mm -hmm. but I really think uh, that um, certainly Craft Nova Scotia. Did well with their their shop that was down mm -hmm. on the waterfront um, prior to the pandemic. Um, you know the cruise ships bring a huge amount of of tourism dollars to Nova Scotia, and and you know it doesn't have to be a huge huge item. Um, and something that artists may consider is is if they are aiming to to work with the tourists um, and sell to the tourists that they keep in mind that the, you know there's some tourists that are going to take the big stuff home mm -hmm. most of them are flying or taking a cruise or driving with a packed car a lot of them can't take great big pieces with them so you've got to have you know shipping and all that kind of sort of pre-planned in a way that you can offer it as a an option mm -hmm. you can't make that stuff as you go you, yeah. you can't get it by the seat of your pants. You kind of got to know, yes, I can ship up to 65 pounds through Canada Post as long mm -hmm. as I carry it. UPS will not, you know, none of it guarantees glass. So mm. you take a chance. So you got to have all your ducks in a row before you do that uh, mm. for the tourists. And then you got to think of small stuff. Mm. Tourists like to bring back little tchotchkes and, and right. things. And, and, um, 
you know, stuff that's easy to pack or easy to mail as a souvenir. Yeah. You know, your product line that you produce is can be whatever your passions you like. But if you're trying to sell your product, you got to be able to put some stuff out there that's mm-hmm. going to sell to them to the masses as opposed accessible to, pieces. Yeah, yeah, and um, because those are your bread and butter. Yeah. Those those is that's what pays the bills. I think that the um the big ticket items oh man they're sweet when you get them you love to sell them but they're they're hard to move sometimes especially here Mm -hmm. now there's other markets in the world that you know if you could tap into but you know i really don't think new york wants to buy nova scotia tartans i mean i i have to think of something that i could make that would be appropriate for that market and that's what i think that the tourists tourism is huge to our industry and I think a lot of artists are really hurting for it Mm -hmm. Uh, you know uh, I've done okay you know I would like to have done better Mm -hmm. through this whole thing Um, but I can only say that if I wasn't pushing it wherever I could you know that it would be a whole lot worse yeah if it's sitting in your studio, just waiting for a market to open that you can go physically sell it, you're going to be waiting maybe till next summer. Yeah. You know, we don't know. Yeah. We all get our vaccinations. We're talking end of September here. They're talking the powers. Yeah. Of me. Right. You know, there's already snags in that. So who knows when it's going to happen? Yeah. Who knows when our borders are going to open? Yeah, exactly. So you got to, you got to expand your horizons and and really think outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So it's nice that you you have been, and I think that's great advice. And is there anywhere like well, you mentioned uh, your Instagram and your Facebook and stuff like that, and Twitter. Is that do you, you want to say those uh, usernames are so people can find you? Well, Twitter is cranberry underscore glass. Okay. Uh, Instagram is uh, Fuse Glass Diva. Uh, Facebook is Fuse Glass Diva and also uh, Cranberry Stained Glass. And uh, there's Instagram for um, Instagram for Cranberry Stained Glass. But I, I mostly do Facebook and Twitter with that. I don't, mm. um, I don't do a lot of Instagram. Uh, I've got Pinterest as well under both. And and again. Pinterest is is a the rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people go. I hate to say this. I really. It's going to bite me in the bum. I know. <laughs> I find that people go on Pinterest um, to get inspired. Shall we say? Steve. I find a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to say politely. <laughs> And not so much steel. I I think, you know, the intentions are inspiration, Mm. Uh, you know, looking for inspiration. Um, But, you know, I get people walking into my studio with pictures they pulled off Instagram saying, can you make me this? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I can. But I, I, you know, I really, I really don't don't want want to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if I do it, I got to change, you know something make it different make it you know sure we can in, use it as an inspiration 
like anything. I mean, a sunset can be an inspiration. I mean, uh, but on Pinterest, you and then and then you go to the next craft show and you see hundreds of these things. Mm-hmm. So you really got to work on uh, um, trying to get your own little niche. You got to you got to do something different. And I think that's a lot of people that want to be craftspeople, they they have a hard time coming up with different. And, mm-hmm. and that's the difference between, you know, people that are in Craft Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. that their standards versus, you know, someone that might be just selling at the, the city market, which there are some great artists that do sell there. But yeah. there's also, you know, a lot of people who 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 just don't get creative they anyway i it's frustrating this is a this is a topic that hasn't come up on the show yet um but i it, it bothers me a bit too because i used to love instagram that's my main place to be but the longer i've been on there the more i find that oh, there's one sort of style of illustration, say, for example, that someone started using. Next thing you know, it's like 50, I come across 50 other people doing the exact same thing and I can't differentiate who created it because they're all copying from each other. And it's just so corny to me. Well, and also I I find that you got to be careful with things like Instagram, because if you click on something on Instagram that you like and you want some more information on it, you want to see who they've, you know, who they've tagged and who they've hashed, you know, what hashtags they used because, gee, I see this post everywhere. Well, you know, the AI behind it then the next thing you know, you're going to see six of the same type of thing. True. They, yeah. they nail your, so you're looking at it and you're thinking, oh my God, there's all these people copying. Well, it, no, well, they might be, but they might be from all over the world, but in, Instagram is, has figured out something you like. So they're feeding it to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, yeah. so it's, it's a, it's, it's a chase your tail kind of thing. It's, it's not, yeah. it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You like it. Well, here you got more of it coming at you and, and yeah. you can't get away from that. So uh, that's the one downfall I think of um, of a lot of these um, social media things now is is that you click on one thing and they're trying to sell you, you know, six the same type of thing um, mm-hmm. automatically and um, it's kind of spooky. Um, but you're looking at what they think you're interested in, or they're sending you what you you think they think you're interested in, and. Yeah. You just can't get away. Like I looked up something on owls, trying to get some kind of inspiration for for some owls. And now everything I've got coming up owls. owls. Like, oh my god, it's <laughs> like owls. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, you gotta you gotta go out there and find your own inspiration in the real world, and get off your computer and you know get creative. Uh, yeah, I love that too. Like find your inspiration actually outside of the thing that you do too. Sometimes just like experience Absolutely. life. Yeah. You got to do something different to shake it up. And if you do, you don't get inspired. I mean, there's, you get, you get in a rut. And if you get in a rut, you just got to get out and do something different for a change. Yeah. Take a break. 
and yeah. and hopefully you'll be in a situation where you know you can walk away from it for a little while mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. like the fuse glass diva if, if i don't feel like coming in here and painting i i don't do it and there's times through this pandemic that uh, netflix seems a little more entertaining <laughs> <laughs> but anyway we're getting yeah. through that too and then there's always burnout after christmas right you it's always a slow start to the next yeah. uh, you feel like you're burnt from from selling 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 for that one period of the year that's nuts and then and then you just take a while to regroup clean up your space clean up your brain and yeah. Yep. Well, Lori, thank you for taking the time to participate in our second edition of Craft Phase Me. Thank you so much. Yeah. I hope I didn't talk too much about myself. That's what you're supposed to <laughs> That's do. What they're supposed to do. I know. I know. Anyway, five shades of red now. Oh well. Yes, yes, yes. So take care and uh we'll be in touch. Yeah, have a great day. And thanks so much. It was wonderful. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to our special Craft Page Me series. Thank you to Langi Beats for the theme music. You can find them on YouTube. Just search L-A-N-G-I Beats. And thanks again to Craft Nova Scotia for making this possible and Arts Nova Scotia for the support. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform that you're listening you can find out more about ArtPaysMe at ArtPaysMe.com or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at ArtPaysMe on all of those platforms. And with that, we're out. See you next time. Peace. <laughs>